Lord, we want to thank you this morning for the word that you've placed in Mary. And Father, we pray that it just brings you glory and freedom to your people. Father, we know she hears from you and we're excited to hear what you've placed in her because, Lord, it's you we come to hear from. So, Father, let your name and your name alone be glorified today. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to be back in the house of the Lord. Feels like it's been forever, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. Well, I wasn't speaking very loud anyway, so that's okay. All right. Today, I want. I almost need to just go sit down because <laughs> everything that I wanted to talk about has already been taking place. So that's really, really good confirmation for me. I love it when God does that. Um, this week, I had started to read in the book of Hebrews. I hadn't read Hebrews for a long time, and I, but I got stopped because I saw this in the introduction to that book from the Passion Translation, and it says this, Jesus is the theme of Hebrews. You must learn from him and draw closer to him in order to understand the depth of this book, for Jesus is the language of God. When God speaks to us, he speaks in the vocabulary of Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that powerful? Jesus is the language of God, and Jesus is the vocabulary of God. Okay, so what does vocabulary mean? In uh, the dictionary, it says it's the stock of words used by or known to a particular people or group of persons. Like we would say, his French vocabulary is rather limited. So is mine. I know one word, French. (laughs) That's about it. It's also like the scientific vocabulary is constantly changing and growing. And secondly, it's a list or collection of the words or phrases of a language, technical field, etc., usually arranged in alphabetical order and defined. Like when you're in school, the teacher will tell you to go read chapter 4, but then look at the vocabulary at the list at the end of it and figure out what those words mean that you just read. Okay? When I first moved over here, I had to learn a whole new vocabulary. Even though the language was English, the vocabulary was something very different. Tea instead of supper. Lorry instead of semi. Boot and bonnet instead of trunk and hood. Diversion instead of detour. All sorts of new phrases that I, and words that had not been part of my vocabulary up to that point. 53 years I had learned one language. Now I, have, now I know two languages. I know English and I know American. So the, <laughs> and we're learning a third one and that's the language of heaven. And the second part of that definition means... Words that are associated with a particular field of study or work endeavor. Like there are different computer languages and different vocabularies connected with each one of those uh, computer functions. There's financial language. There's health language. Medical language and vocabulary. They're, They're all different. They have a specific reference to that field of study. They're all the things that are needed to make sure that the way of life within those fields are comprehensible. If you don't know the language, you will never learn how to function within that field. It would be like trying to teach a goldfish how to do advanced calculus. 
that you. <laughs> so when we come to matters of the spirit this in this new age, we have other languages and the vocabularies that we have to learn. In the Old Testament, God spoke to his people. He actually spoke to all people through the prophets and the laws and punishments. And he spoke to the Egyptians through plagues. He spoke to the Hebrews through manna and quails and pillars of cloud and fire. He spoke to the Jews in Israel through exiles and homecomings. He spoke through the prophets and through the kings. But now we have a new language and a new vocabulary to learn, and that's Jesus. Well, what does that name mean? What does the name of Jesus actually mean? What's the literal translation of the name of Jesus? It means Jesus, Joshua or Jehovah saves. Joshua is another extension of that. But the name of Jesus means Yahweh saves. Yahweh is salvation. Let's look at some verses, Bible verses. Now, I'm not, you know, I want to make sure that you get this from the word, not just from me. In John 1, 1, in the King James, it says this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now this is from uh, the voice translation, and I love the way this reads. It's the same verses, but it's in a different translation. Before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. The celestial word remained ever-present with the Creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos. Immersed in the practice of creating, all things that exist were birthed in Him. His breath filled, filled all things with a living, breathing light, a light that thrives in the depths of darkness and blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot be and will not be quenched. I love that. That is so, so it, it's the same essence, but such a different connotation on it that it makes you really stop and think, what is creation? And what is the word of God? It's everything. Now, again, from the voice translation, um, I started back over in Genesis because I wanted to see the, the beginning of it. The light, you know, when God said, let there be light. And it says this. This is forward from that book. Out of nowhere, time and space, all the living whirl forth as God speaks the universe into existence. With the utterance of his voice... Creation takes form. Chaos yields to order. Light eclipses darkness. And emptiness fills with life. You all know what an eclipse is, right? That's when you've got the earth. You've got the earth here. And here's the sun shining on it. And all of a sudden the moon just comes passing in front of the sun. So it casts a shadow on the earth. Well, now let's look at that in reverse. Here's the sun. Here's the earth. And... The darkness tries to come between there, but the, but the light eclipses the darkness, and it comes to the earth instead. That, and this is what God has done for us. He eclipses the darkness. He comes between us and the darkness. 
It's like the sun is, is shooting out black light. And God comes between black light and darkness and shines on the earth, shines on us, shines on our problems, shines on our life situations. That's light eclipsing the darkness. And then it goes on in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created everything, the heavens above and the earth below. And here's what happened. At first, the earth lacked shape and was totally empty. And a dark fog draped over the deep while God's spirit wind hovered over the surface of the empty waters. Then there was the voice of God. In verse 3, God says, let there be light. And light flashed into being. God saw the light was beautiful and good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Separated the light from the darkness. God named the light day and the darkness night. And evening gave way to morning, and that was day one. Now, this, <laughs> this is my personal belief. This is personal. I think when we hear scientists talking about the Big Bang Theory, what they are really talking about is the voice of God. When he said, light be, he didn't say it like, light, you better come into existence now. No, that's not what he said. He said, light be. That thunderous voice, the voice of supreme authority for all the vastness of nothing to hear and for all of time to witness the creation of lots of somethings. Can you imagine being there at that moment when that sound went forth out of God? That, that humongous voice of authority that has no equal, that has no ending. That just, I won't say it blows me away because I don't want to get blown away, but it just really, really impacts me. Now in John 8 verse 12, Jesus is speaking and it says, And then Jesus spoke again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That light that God spoke about in millennia past, when light came into being, that's Jesus. And he is the light of our life. In John 5, 5, Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's John 9, 5. So in the vocabulary of God, Jesus is the light. Remember that Jesus was with God in the very beginning. He didn't come later. <laughs> when you were born, you had all your parts. You didn't grow your hands or your legs after you were born. They gained strength, yes, but they were already there. When God said light be, Jesus was already that light. And that light will never be extinguished. He, Jesus, is eternal. Now how does that impact us today? Well, if we're in a dark room, what do you do? You turn on the lights so you can see. If you don't have any electricity, you light a candle or you turn on a torch. When we're in a dark place in our minds or in our spirits, what do we do? We access the light of the world, and that's Jesus. That's the vocabulary of God. That is the word made manifest in our lives. 
That light word brings clarity to our minds, peace to our souls, and encouragement for us to carry on. And then guess what? Jesus calls us to be light. In Matthew, it says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. And how about the state of the world that we live in today? Isn't it just about as dark as we've ever seen it? Isn't it just about as dark as it ever is going to get? Man, I hope so. (laughs) In Philippians chapter 2, Paul says this, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see? The vocabulary of God and the language of the kingdom is Jesus. And when Jesus lives in us, then that means us as well. We sang that song earlier, I Speak Jesus. That's God's song too. Jehovah saves or Jehovah is salvation. When we learn who Jesus is, what he does and what he offers, how he works... We are learning the vocabulary of God, the language of the kingdom. In Mark 16, it says, And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And in Matthew 28, He came up to them and He spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I really like the language of that translation. That's from the Tree of Life version, where it says, immersing them in the name of the Father and Son and Spirit. Not just baptizing them with water, but immersing them. And that word means this, to plunge into or place under a liquid, the anointing, to dip or to sink into the anointing. It also means to involve deeply, to absorb, as in she's totally immersed in her law practice. We are to be totally involved absorbed with knowing who Jesus is and what he has done, deeply involved with everything about him, deeply immersed in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the language of God. That's the vocabulary of God. So like any good instruction book that has a listing of words and their definitions dealing with that subject, I found a list of things that I want to share with you. From the vocabulary of God. This is the language of Jesus. And as I go through this list, I want each of you to think of what these words mean in general, to the church, and to you specifically. Now these are the names and titles of Jesus. But it's the vocabulary, it's the language of the kingdom. Savior. What does that mean? It means to save. It means he who is The ones who's doing the saving. That's the language of God. Jesus is our Savior. He saves us from all kinds of things. 
What's he saved you from? What's he saved you to? What's he saved you for? He is our savior. Think about that in your own life. What has he saved you from, to, and for? He is our redeemer. Well, what does that mean? It means to buy back. What has he bought you back from? What has he brought you back from? Have you ever been on the brink of something that you knew would be disastrous if you went ahead with it? But he redeemed you. He bought you back from that. He brought you back from that brink, from that place where you could be, where it could be totally disastrous for you. What has he redeemed you from? He is the bread of life. What is the bread of life? The bread of life is what keeps us going. It's our sustenance. It's what keeps body and soul together. And it's, this is the life of our spirit. This is the stuff that feeds our spirit. This is who Jesus is. He feeds our spirit. The next one is Lord. Is he Lord? What does that mean to you? Does he have the supreme authority in your life? Is he your Lord? If he's not, it's very simple to make him the Lord of your life. You just say, Lord, and that's it. Just like the thief on the cross where he says, Lord, remember me this day when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I will. So that meant he was Lord even though he'd lived all of his life as a disaster. And he was dying as a thief on a cross. Jesus was Lord of his life from that moment. Creator. As I said earlier, Jesus was right there in the beginning. He was at creation. He is our creator. What has he created in you? What has he created for you? What has he created around about you? Can you think of things that he has created in you specifically? Has he created a desire to worship him, to to study his word, to love him? Has he created within you a desire to pray for other people? Has he created a desire in you to take care of children like Dorothy does? Or to be a caretaker like Julie? Or a pastor or a teacher or a mom or a grandmother? What has he created in you? He is the son of the living God. So are we, because he lives in us. He's the only begotten son. Just like when some of us only have one child. I've only got one kid, that he wasn't even begotten of me. But he was begotten of God. And he is begotten of God because Jesus lives in him. Jesus is the blessed son, the anointed one, the one that God blessed and said, this is my son, I'm really proud of him. And he says the same things to you. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you. You are my blessed child. And you can just look in the devil in the eye and say, I am blessed of God, so just leave me alone. Jesus is the Holy One of Israel. God keeps reminding Israel that Jesus is the Holy One that belongs to them. And they belong to him. He's wonderful. How many of you ever wondered what that meant? <laughs> oh, he's so wonderful. That means he's, he's glorified in our eyes. He's, he's amazing. He's, he's got all these attributes and qualities that we don't even know about. We know some of them. But he is so full of wonder. And sometimes I think he wonders where we're at. Never mind. <laughs> he is a counselor. I, I love that term. We don't use counselor in the States much. 
it's usually lawyer or solicitor. But he is our counselor. Just like when people have a counseling business. They're therapists. Jesus is our counselor. That's what God made him to be. We take everything to Jesus and he will counsel us on how to get through life. He is the mighty God. Have you ever thought about what that word means? Mighty? Almighty? What does that mean? All powerful. Absolutely. All power rests in him. He is the mighty God. He's not like some willy-nilly little mamby-pamby thing over here. He's mighty. He has power. He has strength. He has courage. He has everything that we need in order to be victorious in life. And he's ours. And we are his. He's the everlasting father. He's never going to stop being our daddy. He's never going to stop being our father. He's never going to stop loving us. He's never going to stop taking care of us. He's everlasting. He always was. He always will be. And he is now. Praise God. He's the king of kings. That means that, he, that Jesus is the king of kings. Even a king has a king. And that's Jesus. He's the head of the church. Our church. He is the head of our church. We make him the head of our church every time we say, Jesus, come in here. Be with us. He is our prophet. That doesn't just mean foretelling the future. That also means that what, what the prophets of old used to do, they used to bring correction. He just doesn't tell us the future. He also tells us of our past. And then he forgives us for it. So Jesus is our prophet. This is the language of God. This is the vocabulary of the kingdom. He is our high priest. What does a priest do? A priest takes the offerings of the people in before the Lord. Jesus does that. He takes our petitions and he takes them to Almighty God and he prays for us. Doesn't it say in Romans that he's always at the right hand of the Father praying for us, making intercession for us? That's our high priest. That's what he does. He is our teacher. When we don't know something, we can come to him and say, Daddy, I don't understand. Teach me. Show me. Help me learn. My favorite thing, the more I learn, the more I know I don't know much. And he is my teacher. He is our teacher. He is the teacher. Emmanuel, God is with us. He took on flesh so that he could live just like we do. He wasn't some God that sits up on a throne someplace up there out yonder and just sits there and goes, oh, mercy. He came down and he took on flesh and he lived a life like we do. Now, can you imagine that? I mean, it's, it's kind of strange having to think about Jesus having to take a bath. But he did. It's also strange to think that he stopped and washed other people's feet. Stinky, dirty feet, sandy, dusty, ugly. But he is Emmanuel. He is God in the flesh. He is our advocate. That means he, he pleads for us. He takes, he takes our stuff seriously. And he goes before the Father and he says, Daddy, these people hurt. These people need you. These people want you. They, these people need relief. He is our advocate for the, with the Father. He is our mediator. He is our go-between. We can go to Jesus and we can say, I don't understand. We can go to Jesus and say, God, I'm, I'm hurting. And we can go to Jesus and he will take these things to the Father and he will coordinate the angelic response for the angels to come down and minister to us. He is our chief cornerstone. That's the building. 
He is the foundation of everything. He is the author and finisher. He starts it and he'll finish it. Now that's pretty powerful stuff. What he started, he will finish. He is the Lamb of God. He was our sacrifice. You know, we often think of these lambs as little bitty bleedy animals, a little, you know, <laughs> but they were intended to be sacrifice. That's what they were born for. That's what they were bred for, to be the sacrifice in the rituals of the Jewish traditions. And that is who Jesus is. He is our sacrifice. He's not weak. He is the sacrifice, and he knew that from day before creation. That's the thing that amazes me. He knew from the day before creation that he was meant to sacrifice for us. And then the opposite end of that, he is our good shepherd. He takes us, little lambs, and he shepherds us. He keeps us together. He, he feeds us. He takes us to still waters. He takes us to green pastures. He anoints us with oil. He is our good shepherd. He takes care of us. He is the bishop of our souls. Now, what do you think of when you think of bishop? That's somebody who has spiritual authority over you. That's not something that we normally use in modern congregations, mostly. But he is the bishop of our souls. It's his responsibility. It's his responsibility to make sure that we make it. He is the word. He is the word. Everything that we, when we say the name of Jesus, like that song says, I speak Jesus. When we speak that word, there is power in that word. There is power in that name. There is healing in that name. There is blessing in that name. Everything that we need is in that name. He is that word. He is the font of living water. What do we do when we get thirsty? We take a drink. What do we do when we run dry spiritually? We take a drink of Jesus. He is the font of living water. He is our rock. He is the solid foundation. There's not hardly anything harder than a rock. Did you ever get hit in the head with a rock? I got hit in the head with a baseball one time. I had a black eye for picture day at school, which was terrible. But Jesus is the rock that is harder than that. Praise God. He is our Messiah. The one that we've been waiting for. He's the one that the whole world has been waiting for. He's the one that all creation has been waiting for. He is the Messiah. The one who saves. The one who changes. The one who brings everything back to God. He is the Almighty One. That's just like the same Mighty God. The Almighty. Everything. All power and all might is His. He is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the beginning. He was at the beginning. He was in the beginning. And all things were made by him. And he is the omega. He is the ender. Everything will end in Jesus. He is our master. Is he our master? Is he the one that we bow down to? Is he the one we take instructions from? Is he the one that we obey? He's the king of the Jews. They're still looking for a Messiah, but he's already been here. He is their king. He is the true vine. All life comes through him. And we are the branches. He is the branch 
that comes out and we are the tiny branches that comes off of that. We get our life through him. We get our life and our being through him. He is the Lion of Judah. Can you imagine? Now, I I want you to stop and really imagine this. I want you to think about this picture. We're in a mess. And the enemy is just harassing and harassing and harassing us. And he's poking fun at it. And he's, oh, you're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. And all of a sudden, here comes this, hey, you don't touch my anointed. That's the lion of Judah. He's roaring in the devil's face. And he's going to stop everything that will hinder us or stop us or confuse us or demean us. That's who he is. He is the lion who roars. He is the son of man. The one who knows everything about us. He is the carpenter. He builds. What has he built for you? Has he built a home for you? Has he built a home in you? Has he built a family for you? Has he taken care of all of your needs? He is that carpenter. He builds things. He is the way, the truth, and the life. This is the language of God. This is the vocabulary of who God is. This is who Jesus is. He is the king of Israel. And he is the Christ. The anointed one. And the anointing. When he comes into our lives, he brings that same anointing. Remember, I spoke several years ago on the the names of Jesus, the, the lineage of Jesus. And one of the names meant like a covering. And that's a veil that fits so finely that it covers us like a second skin. That's what the anointing does. That's Jesus. When God looks at us, when we become his children, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our past. He sees our future. And our future is in Christ. Amen? Long list of stuff, huh? And each of those names and titles are descriptive of how God works in our lives. It's the vocabulary of the kingdom of heaven and how it functions We've gone through that list and this vocabulary, this language, to see some of the things that God has said to us in the form of Jesus. And all these things are keys to understanding who God is as represented in Jesus. These things are God's definition of himself. Remember that Jesus said to the disciples that when we see him, we have seen the Father. I'm going to quickly go through that list one more time. And as I do, I want you to pick one or two of the names or titles that speaks directly to you. And then I want you to go through this next week concentrating on those things and what they mean in your life. Who is, we sang this song a minute ago, I know who you are. Who is Jesus to you? How can you utilize the language of God, the vocabulary of God to help you better understand what he has done for you? I'm going to quickly go through this list again. He's Savior, Prophet, Redeemer, High Priest, Bread of Life, Teacher, Lord, and Emmanuel. He is Creator, Advocate, Son of the Living God. He's the Mediator. He's the Only Begotten Son. He's the Chief Cornerstone. He is the Blessed Son. He is the Author and Finisher. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is the Lamb of God. 
He is wonderful counselor, mighty God. He's the good shepherd. He's the bishop of our souls. He's everlasting father. He's the word. He's the font of living water. He's the king of kings. He's the rock. He's the head of the church and he's the Messiah. He's the almighty one. He is the true vine and the branch. He is the alpha and omega. He is the master. He's the lion of Judah. He's the king of the Jews. He's the son of the man. Son of man, he is the carpenter, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the king of Israel, and he is our Christ, our anointed one, and our anointing. So go through this list in your mind this week. Listen to this if you have to again. But I want you to really concentrate on who Jesus is to you. Amen? All right, amen.